Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'm 20 years old and I work at my town's local Ikea in Texas. Since I don't go to school during daytime... My boss put me on an overnight shift after the store closed at 11pm. This means that I was working from 11 to roughly about 1am. I was basically a glorified janitor, going around the store, mopping the floor and cleaning and tidying whatever people used to touch or sit around in the furniture and concept rooms throughout the day. Given that IKEA was a supercenter, there would still be a number of employees working during after hours, but for some reason that night... I was one of only like two other people going around the store to clean. It was around midnight and I was just dusting off some of the shelves in one of the concept living rooms when I heard someone's footsteps echoing in the distance behind me. This was odd as the store was closed over an hour ago and no one was supposed to still be in the store's premises. But I just sort of brushed it off as it was probably my co-worker Carlos going around and doing his part. Though... It would be somewhat unusual for him to do that, given that we basically never see each other while we're cleaning, but because the store is so big and we're assigned to clean our own areas of the store each time. So I brushed it off and some time passed. I'd eventually made my way to the children's bed section of the store. It wasn't my favorite part of the store because it was always so badly lit from the broken lamps overhead. I was making the beds when I noticed movement in the far corner of my field of vision. It was faint, like something ducking under one of the beds. I started to get pretty anxious by this point, because I just remembered the footsteps from earlier and connected the dots a bit. Something was definitely off, and I realized that there's a high chance I'm not alone in this part of the store now. I looked around, but obviously there was nothing. As much as I had my suspicions too, I started to wonder if my mind just made up what I just saw or something. A couple of minutes passed and I was still very much on guard. And that's when I heard a plastic cup hit the floor about a block away. It came from one of the kitchen rooms in the kitchen section which was the last section that I had to clean before I was done for the night. 
I stopped what I was doing and looked into the direction of the sound. All I saw was a cup in the middle of the alleyway, but that definitely made it real. My final flight started kicking in pretty intensely at this point as I tried to make sense of what the heck was going on. I started to think that maybe someone was messing with me. Either my coworker or some random kids were playing some sort of a prank to scare me. However, my coworker Carlos isn't the type to joke around. We barely talk either way, but I figured whoever was doing this was just trying to lure me in towards the cup. I decided to call out Carlos's name and nothing. I told him that if it was a prank that he should stop right now. During that moment, I was almost practically sure that it was a joke too and walked towards the cup to pick it up. Once I was there though, I noticed that one of the cupboards underneath the sink from the concept kitchen was slightly left open. My imagination was running wild at this moment, so I slowly walked towards the cupboard and opened it completely to see if anybody was inside. And that's when I saw a sickly looking man staring right at me. I immediately backed off a couple of feet away and he was still staring right at me with those creepy white eyes and a sickly smile. He wasn't saying anything, just making very creepy eye contact with me, which was probably the scariest part of this whole thing. After about five long traumatizing seconds of this, I was creeped out enough and ran to the nearest exit as fast as I could, leaving all of my cleaning equipment behind. I went home and tried my best to forget about what had just happened, but I just couldn't get the image of this creepy guy's face out of my head. The next day, I called my boss to tell him what happened last night, and he was obviously taken aback and told me that he was going to go check that area for signs of someone. And he called me back later in the day to tell me that they'd found crumbs of chips and cinnamon roll boxes in that cupboard, but nothing else. Ever since, I've kept working there and we never again found traces of anyone living in the store. Even though I'm over it now and come to realize that it was probably just a homeless man, I still can't get that haunting image of this guy's creepy face out of my head. Nor can I make sense of that cup falling over for no reason. I moved uh, a lot growing up. By the time freshman year of high school came around, I had moved seven or so times and was about a year and a half into my most recent move. I had found a pretty close group of friends in middle school and we all went to the high school together as well. But I met him through one of those close friends. They were in a band together and even though he was almost four years older than us, we welcomed him into our group. Sam was easily twice my size, tall and heavy set, and originally kind of intimidating, although I was never afraid of large men before him, lesson learned. But at the time, I had kind of a bad home life, and I spent as much time as I could at school, sometimes hanging around the school campus until 6 or 7 at night with this friend group. Three of us lived in the same direction, and we would walk the half an hour trip together until our paths split. And one slightly colder evening, Sam offered to walk me home since the others had gone home already. I honestly thought that he was just being a gentleman. He mentioned something from a previous move when he lived in California. Apparently, he didn't walk a friend home and something horrible happened. He left it at that, and so I let him walk me home. 
We got a bit closer after that too. We bonded over both living in California and exchanged numbers. He would message me late into the night about his depression and self-harm and I just wanted to help. But a few months later, he tried asking me out. It was this big romantic gesture because he learned a Disney song on the ukulele and sang it to me in the cafeteria. But I was already dating someone and when I turned him down, he got really angry. It was a sort of freaky, quiet, twitchy kind of angry too, and I felt really bad. But it was at this time that I started seeing him everywhere. We were still friends, and we still hung out in our groups, but I would pass him on the street walking somewhere, and a few minutes later, I'd see that he'd changed directions and had started to follow me. He would walk me to my classes by following me in passing periods at a distance, I started to minimize the group time that we would spend together and he would follow me more. Eventually I had friends meet me at each class and walk me to my next one because, well, I felt unsafe. I mean, he knew where I lived. And then he started to talk. Not to me, but to mutual friends about that one girl in California who he tried to walk home. At first she just shared my name, some crazy coincidence then she had the same brown curly hair and blue eyes and every time he rambled about her she became more and more like me and then he said what happened over literal weeks this fantasy evolved they were walking home and they were jumped by some guy with a knife it was a robbery gone wrong on her birthday january 24th my birthday mind you and she died horribly and he couldn't react in time she apparently bled out in his arms. Sarah, who has brown curly hair, blue eyes, my name, my birthday, and sounds just like me, bled out in his arms. Each retelling added more and more detail though, and this guy with his sick fantasy about my death would follow me around and knew where I lived. My boyfriend was abusive, mentally and physically, but... I stayed as close to him as I could whenever I could because if the worst happened I knew for sure that at least he could throw a punch. I never felt safe at school or even in our little town, especially walking home from school in the dark. One day though at school he had a huge breakdown, freaked out and ran out of school in a panic. I was sent after him and I found him curled up on the floor, I got closer I knew about his anxiety and depression, and my safety aside, I wanted to make sure that he was okay. And it was then that he told me this horrifying story that I'd been hearing from mutual friends with some added details. We'd been walking home from a concert in California. We passed a dark alley and a homeless man came out with a rusty knife and asked for anything valuable. I fumbled for my phone, I didn't have anything else on me, and he thought that I was calling the cops. He stabbed me, and once, twice, again and again, and Sam just stood there horrified. He saw red and grabbed a broken glass bottle nearby my body and attacked this homeless guy. He killed him with his own knife, and he told me that he killed someone. My stalker had actually killed someone. It didn't matter how messed up he was anymore. I didn't care if it was just a fantasy or real. I didn't care how it would affect his mental health anymore. I needed to go to the police at this point. I was really scared for my life, to be honest, and 
My friends convinced me to go to the school counselor first. That morning we went and we told them everything. The stalking, the stories, how he admitted to murder and that that was the reason they moved from California. How I was afraid for my life and wanted to call the police. The counselor didn't take any of this seriously, mind you. She went to the principal and the principal, not a mental health expert, called Sam in to talk about the accusations. The principal then informed me that he didn't think that Sam had any kind of mental illness or that I was in any danger, and that was that. It was at this point too that I pretty much lost faith in all adults, gave up on going to the police, and I stayed with my friend walking me in between classes, hiding behind my abusive boyfriend, and looking behind me every step of my walk home that year. The counselors ended up gaslighting us to the point where this all feels like a fever dream now and I would think that it's made up if it weren't for my journal entries recording the events and my growing panic and also the similar stories from my friend group. But in the end, it was all sort of sorted out. It was a bit of a long process but I eventually got out of there and man, am I grateful that nothing ever came of it. Also, just to clarify some potential confusion, I don't actually think anyone actually died in California. I personally think that he's just a pathological liar and that he was so deep in a fantasy that he had convinced himself that it was real. No, I wasn't physically hurt, but it was definitely emotionally scarring and the threat that he posed to me was definitely 100% real. And like I said, even if he is a liar, the fact that he had these fantasies is probably even more scary. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I grew up in a small Scottish village with a population of around 100 people. The village was one shop, one pub, one park, a church, and also a graveyard. Our house was even more remote and a 20 minute drive from the epicenter of village life. But my weekly entertainment was my dad driving into the village every Saturday night to get sort of plastered at the pub and me and my ADHD brother playing in the village forest down the road from his pub. Our dad would get us cans of coke which was the highlight and we would run deep into this forest high on sugar, climbing trees, building huts and just having a great time. We would stay out until it was pitch dark and eventually drag our dad out of the pub and he would never come and retrieve us like he would this time. One night as we were playing deep in the forest my leg got stuck in some deep thick mud. It got jammed right up to my knee and I just couldn't pull it out and neither could my eight-year-old big brother. 
I started to freak out a bit and cry uncontrollably. I thought that that was the end of me. I thought that I was about to sink into the mud and never be found again. My crying freaked out my brother out even more, so he ran back to the pub to get our old man. At this point, it was starting to get dark quite fast, and I was still alone with my legs stuck. We were deeper into the forest than usual too, so I knew that I was going to be alone for a good 15 to 20 minutes. Not a great situation to be in, I thought. But as I was crying and waiting, in the corner of my eye, I saw someone run towards me. It wasn't from the direction of the pub, but from deep within the forest. I couldn't make out any major details initially, and the person was sort of blurred. I was hoping my dad would turn up at this point, and this new person would promptly stop running towards me, but no. The person got closer into my field of vision, and I could make out more details. She was a girl, and she looked sort of around my age, maybe six years old, I would guess. But I knew that there was something strange about her though because she was wearing a dark grey 1800s Victorian dress and I was certain now that she was running straight towards me getting closer with every step. She came up to within two meters of me and then she just stopped. My leg was still stuck in the mud. Her eyes were locked into mine. I said hello but there was no reply. No smile, just stared deep into my eyes. What's your name? I asked her. Still, no reply. Still, her black eyes were locked. I didn't think that she was a ghost or anything. She was too physical looking for that. She just dead-eyed stared at me for a really long time. She moved a little closer, not breaking eye contact. The time moved quickly and she simply turned around and then sprinted back into the dark woods. Almost immediately after she ran off, my dad, absolutely drunk as a skunk, stumbled into the forest mumbling and swearing under his breath with my brother following behind. Now, I knew every single kid in that village, and none of them had ever seen her before. The direction that she came from and ran back into was just trees for miles and miles too, and as far as we knew, nobody lived in there. Her clothing was so weird too compared to anything else I'd ever seen. That forest was not the kind of place little girls would be running around in like that too, let alone late into the night like that. I definitely wouldn't have played in there at night if I didn't have my big brother with me, but I never saw her again in the village or in the forest after that, but would have loved to have known who she was. She was definitely human in my opinion, just a very strange human who was drawn towards my loud crying and distress at the time. I don't know if there were people living in the forest or something, but like I said, I never saw her again after that. But a part of me sort of wishes that I did. Ron Erickson was weird, vulgar, and broken like many men can be in the military. We knew that he had a, a sordid past and we knew his upbringing was strange to say the least, but he seemed like a harmless man. My husband, Ben, went to the same post boot camp school as this guy. He and a handful of boys were bonded by the terrible conditions and even more terrible higher-ups while attending school. Ben married me while on leave We've been together a long time and know each other much longer than that. 
Eventually, we moved into an apartment together at his duty station in Southern California. And it was wonderful. Ron would come around occasionally and spend weekends with Ben. Sometimes he even slept in our home on the sofa or on the air mattress in the living room. Eventually, we moved to a larger house on the military base and Ron had to be deployed to Japan. It was a long six months too, let me tell you. But life went on normally without him. Friends came and went. This isn't unique. Eventually though, it was Ben's turn to deploy. It was hard to cope, but it was okay. We said our goodbyes and we smooched a bit and he was off to strengthen his sea legs for the next six months. When Ron came back to California, one week after Ben deployed, he wanted to pick up a box of his things from our home that we had tucked away for safekeeping for him. To be honest too, I was sort of excited to see the familiar face. He picked up his things, shared some small talk and then he left. Nothing strange at all, honestly. Knowing that he was back from his journey and many of his friends were deployed with Ben, I extended some kind and friendly words over Facebook Messenger occasionally, wishing him well and just being polite. Unfortunately for both of us though, he mistook my kindness as romantic gestures. Now, one night at about 2am, Ron called me via Facebook's calling feature. Concerned for him, I answered, I thought the worst... Had he become depressed or maybe he was suicidal? I can't in good conscience deny a listening ear to someone who maybe needed it, especially someone my husband is somewhat fond of. The conversation started somewhat normal too, as normal as a strange unwarranted 2am call could be. He was loud, possibly drunk, and sounded desperate for conversation. He rambled on for a while and then admitted to me that as a child, he had actually had a sexual relationship with his younger stepsister. He ended up talking in a lot of circles too, but a few moments that stood out for me were, I just can't trust myself around women, especially alone. I've always liked you. I think that you're hot, and I remember the way you looked in your bikini at the beach. During this conversation that I should have hung up on, I made several attempts to keep the content friendly and uplifting, assuming that he was just having some sort of an episode. It was all horrible and made me feel disgusting. He then told me though that he was near my house at another girl's house, I assume with some poor guy's awful cheating wife. He said that she wasn't really anything to him and he wanted to come over to my house. He knew Ben was an ocean away and that I was alone in my house, so... I told him not to come and he hung up on me. I sort of panicked and closed all the first floor windows and doors, making sure that they were all locked. I turned off the lights as well. I took my dog and my cat up to my bedroom and I locked the door, wedging pieces of furniture into the door to create a sort of barricade of sorts. And yeah, he actually showed up. He walked around my house, pulling on the doors, calling my phone, messaging me horrible things. I screamed for him to leave, both on the phone and through my upstairs window. It was truly a nightmare realized. He messaged me. I could get in if I really wanted to. A clear threat, in my opinion. I called the police, and then I called my neighbor, a big Navy doc who I felt I owed my life to. And after being chased off by Hunter, my neighbor, and having long talks with PMO, NCIS, and my neighbors, I received a protection order against Ron. I'm disappointed that there wasn't any break time for him, but I was pleased that I have documented evidence in case he ever tries to contact me or my husband again. 
But I guess it just goes to show that you never really truly know someone. Please stay safe out there guys and always exercise your right to bear arms if you so choose. Oh and uh, yes, my husband is well aware of what happened too. I was able to call him that night and he also spoke to the police and gave them all of his ex-friends information so he was under arrest the following morning. My husband and I have been to counselling together and separately too because of the incident, all provided by the USMC. I still take Zoloff to sort of cope with the mental toll this interaction took on me. It was also a few years ago now and we've since moved back to our home state in the Midwest living happily and safely near family. We were well supported too in this time by so many great marines, sailors, chaplains, law enforcement and even some medical staff. So we were safe but still things like this they really do just take a toll on you. All I can say is that I'm really glad that I took him seriously and locked the doors that night. I used to deliver hotshot freight across the Great Plains or Minnesota area. One night around 2am I was hauling across North Dakota trying to reach Montana by morning. I was delivering a particularly valuable tractor part that a farm desperately needed for the following day. I began to notice some highway hypnosis sneaking up on me but it didn't really bother me because I'd been through it a hundred times before. But anyone who has driven across North Dakota knows that it is incredibly flat, like really flat. There also tends to be very straight and long roads. It's somewhat easy to see things on the road that far away, even at night too, which is always helpful really. But I noticed something long on the road spanning my entire lane, approximately half a mile in front of me. I sort of slowed down a little and prepared to move into the opposite lane, thinking that it was some sort of retread off a blown tire or something. As I got closer, I noticed that it was two people though, laying head to toe across the entire lane. I swerved into the other lane, successfully avoiding them, and come to an almost complete stop, but they didn't move, not even an inch. I was just about to back up and check on them in fact, when... I remembered a story that an old greybeard colleague of mine told me once. He told me that in certain remote areas, people will lie down in the middle of the road and wait for a car or a truck to stop and see what's going on. And at that point, the road layers, along with whoever else is hiding in the nearby bushes, will beat the daylights out of the driver, steal his vehicle, leaving him in the middle of nowhere. And at this, I decided not to back up after all. And when the two people in the road saw me put my truck back into gear and drive away, they both got up and walked toward the shoulder. I called the police and explained what happened, but we were so far away from civilization that I doubt anything ever came of it. But thanks to that old greybeard, I got to keep my truck, my job, and probably my teeth too. During my first year at university, I lived on campus. At the time, despite being a student, I seldom partied or drank and instead preferred to smoke in order to take the edge off my day. I never wanted to smoke on my university campus due to security patrolling the premises 24 hours a day though. Weed is very much illegal in my country. 
and being caught would have likely resulted in my expulsion from the university at the very least. So instead, I used to walk off campus and into a nearby wood. I was always on high alert, especially when I went by myself and alone at night. But for context, I'm a female and therefore situations like these have the ability to make me feel very uncomfortable very quickly too. I realized that I was putting myself at high risk and therefore after sunset I would never wander too far into the forest. I always made sure that I could see the perimeter of the tree line which was well lit. This meant that if someone was coming towards the woods I could always see them but I was always far enough away into the woods where the darkness would minimize my visibility. One night, I was there just minding my own business like normal, playing on my phone, enjoying my joint, when I hear something to the left of me. I turn and look, and it's a guy, probably in his 40s, just outside the tree line peering into the woods. I was sort of crouched at the time, another measure that I took to minimize my visibility, and honestly, I was pretty shocked to see him, so I immediately flinched. And this is the moment where I really messed up. Because he hears my movement and suddenly reveals a flashlight. He starts moving towards the sound of my movement. This is where fight or flight really kicked in. I, a 19-year-old female, was not about to win a fight with a man who had a flashlight. And without another thought, too, I started hightailing it through these dark woods. I could see the projection of his flashlight against trees very close to me, which just increased my adrenaline. But my vision was perfect, and my speed, as well as ability to avoid tripping over, was pretty impressive, considering how high I was at the time, too. He eventually stopped pursuing me, probably realizing that it was going to be way too much effort. I... Fortunately made it home to my dorm that night, but it still unsettles me to contemplate what might have happened had he have actually caught me. I don't know who he was, he wasn't in police uniform or the uniform worn by campus security staff or anything. He was seemingly just a, a random guy chasing me through the forest. Maybe he was a disgruntled nearby resident who was sick of students smoking weed in the forest. I don't know. All I know is that his intentions that night, they were not good for sure, and I'm really, really thankful that I got away. So I used to work in a museum a couple of years ago. It was an open-air museum that consists of old houses that were transported from all over the country and placed in one spot. I switched between the spots that I worked in, but one of the places that I frequently worked in was one of the most remote spots, which was a little city town made out of sort of tall buildings from Europe around the 14th and 16th century. Again, these buildings are originals, and they have been transported stone by stone to this spot and rebuilt exactly. So, here's my story. Now, I usually was the first one to arrive in the morning, which meant that I opened up the buildings and switched on the lights and stuff like that. But me being often too lazy before my first cup of coffee, usually walked around in the dark to go grab my coffee and go to the toilet first. The toilets were on the second floor and our little kitchen was sort of hidden on the third floor. And oftentimes when I was at the toilets, I would hear footsteps on the stairs and then on the third floor. 
It's all made out of old wood, so they creaked a lot. Me thinking it was probably the cleaning lady arriving, I head towards the third floor and open the door, only to find it empty and still dark. I'm not easily scared though, so I just sort of shrugged it off and made my coffee and went back downstairs to open for the day. My other colleague arrives about half an hour later and I ask her about it and she confirmed that I was the first and only one there that morning. Every time I heard the footsteps then when I was alone in the morning, I just sort of cheerfully greeted my fellow ghost on his way to coffee. As for my second story, this takes place in the same spot, however not in the same building. So During the day I worked in the museum shop in an old city part and Usually it's pretty busy, so I didn't get much time to do anything else, but on days that it rained extremely hard, nobody would ever venture far enough into the park to come as far as the old city part. So on one of those days, when I was extremely bored, I decided to explore the building a bit. This one also consisted out of three floors. The ground floor was the shop, the first floor was storage, and the second and third floors were supposedly empty. Me being curious by nature wanted to see it, so I went up the first floor and walked up to the door that is the entryway to the stairs to the second floor. The doors are really old, so the only lock on them are these little sort of wooden pieces that you have to slide up, which I did. But as I pulled to open the door, which did open by the way, it suddenly was roughly pulled back closed. Which was really strange because there was no draft of wind whatsoever. To be honest, I thought somebody was maybe on the other side, but all the doors were closed, all the windows too, and I didn't feel or hear any wind or anything, so I tried again, and it was pulled closed again. By this time, I was like, okay, clearly something doesn't want me to go in there, so I'll just leave it be. And that's what I did. I went back downstairs, and I left it. But later, I asked my other colleague about it, asking if he ever went up there and if the door was maybe locked or something. To be honest, I was so shocked by it that I thought that maybe I just imagined opening it. But he confirmed to me that it was never locked. He also said that nobody ever really went up there since one of the guards had tried to take their own life up there or something. I hadn't heard about that before, but I told my colleague about what happened to me that day and... He looked very spooked, because apparently he'd been hearing footsteps as well up there. Anyway, those were the few experiences that I had while I was working in that museum. Obviously, I don't work there anymore, but I hope you enjoyed them. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.